How many have been to a drive-in church before? A few have, okay. I understand there's a drive-in church at Daytona Beach. Uh, the weather's a little better there normally, but uh, nice to have you here. As we were thinking about what to call this service, um, didn't know whether to call it uh, uh, Bubble Car Church, Church in the Car Bubbles, or Bubble Guppy Church, or I don't know, Church on the Lot. We decided that Church on the Lot might be uh, the most appropriate. Speaking of Church on the Lot, we have some really exciting news to, to let you know. Um, we, are, we, we are ready to get going on uh, upgrading the, com completing the upgrade of the outside of exterior of the property here. And uh, that means repaving the uh, west side here, repaving the gravel um, <clears throat> lot. And um, we're excited about getting going on that because, you know, this is a first impressions, right? Um, the outside of our property is the first impression that everyone gets of of the ministry and quite frankly of our Lord and what we think of him and so uh, it's really time uh, to make sure that we complete uh, our great discipleship expectations um, renovations that we have been doing the inside uh, as you know the roof and the, the seating and all of that and we did some of the parking lot before but now we're ready to get going on the rest of it so I have no real details for you yet because we don't have any um, but but we're getting them right away, and as soon as we do, we'll we'll make sure that you have all the details of, of what's what's going to take place. But we think this is a great time to do that as well. First of all, because it's neat, it's needed, but also because we're not using the lot as much as we normally would do. So this is a good time to get this done right now. So we hope that you're excited about that. I think all of us can use some exciting news, and uh, we're going to get going and and get this this done outside here. Um, one of the questions, of course, the big question of our sermon series has, has been, you know, who are we? Do we know who we are? Uh, what does it really mean to be the bride of Christ? And our sermon series is uh, just about wrapping up um, on uh, identity crisis. And you, you know we live in a culture that for sure is suffering from an identity crisis. People don't know who they really are. The amazing thing about being a believer is we know who we are, we know why we're here, and we know where we're going. And, and those are the big questions of life that are really settled in Christianity. So we've been working through our way through our series, and um, you know, we've, been, we've been tracking many details, doctrinal details, lots of mileage on doctrinal details about the church and what it really means to be the bride of Christ. But these last two sermons, the sermon last week and this week, if you, if you soak in the pictures that Jesus gave of Christians and church when he said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, if you allow those two pictures to embed themselves in your heart, you will really understand who you are. And you will never really again have an identity crisis because in those two pictures, wrapped up is, is uh, who we are in Jesus Christ. And um, remember from last week, you are the salt of the earth. You are absolutely the soul of the earth. But this week, uh, we're going to complete that uh picture in, in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. We want to look at, again, Jesus' instructions on engaging an unbelieving but very enlightened culture. 
Our, our culture that we live in loves to throw around the word, the word enlightened. We are enlightened. In fact, since the 15th century, there has been, we've been living in the era of enlightenment. But we want to look at that a little bit more carefully in a few moments. But big question that we have to ask right now in terms of the fact that if the church is the salt of the earth, and if the church is the light of the world, why are we not making more impact? Why, where, why are we where we're at? What has happened? Um, we're supposed to be a city on a hill. Why are churches hidden? In fact, um, there's lots of church buildings in our city, but not necessarily a lot of the light of Jesus Christ going forward. And so for the most part, church in our culture is being unnoticed. It's, it's uh, intentionally uh, diminished. It's ignored. In fact, perhaps the reason that the church of, uh, of Jesus Christ uh, or any church for that matter has been so ignored is because it's been scandalized. The truth is that most of the people in this city are probably well aware of some of the scandals of big name religion, big TV evangelists, and for the most part there's a, a decided lack of trust in the church and a lack of trust in Christians in our city and in our, our world. And that's on us. It's our responsibility to to see that change. So once again, who are the people in your neighborhood? Who are the people that you're ministering to? We, we learned last week they're secularized people. But, but more specifically, they are people who are living in darkness. In, in the 15th, 16th, 17th, and particularly 18th century, science replaced God as God. If you want to understand the people who live in our city, the people who you work with who don't know Jesus Christ, for the most part they are firmly convinced that science is really God and has in fact replaced God. And the Bible tells us that people who don't have Jesus Christ are living in darkness. In fact, in John chapter 1, Jesus, in referring to the incarnation or Jesus coming into this world, it refers to Jesus as that life which was the light of men. That life. Jesus Christ is the light of men. Our people all around us are living in darkness. And what people around us are suggesting is that if in fact, um, if in fact there was more knowledge, then the world would be a better place. It would be more peaceful. It would be uh, in, a, in better shape. The truth of the matter is Jesus says, no, it's not more knowledge that people need. It's Jesus that people need. People need the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, by the way, declared his light, which is the light of the knowledge of God, preeminence in a culture at, his at the time he's, he preached this sermon that was steeped in intellectualism. Keep in mind, 300 years before Christ, you've got Plato and Socrates and Aristotle. It wasn't a, an, an uneducated culture that Jesus was speaking to. These people had already been very much steeped in enlightenment of intellectualism and human wisdom. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, 20-21, Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, 
God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So where is the church going then? Jesus tells us we're the light of the cosmos. We're, we're the light of this world's system. We bring attention to Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Where is the church going? As we discovered last week, the church is called by God to global service. We are not to bring negative attention to ourselves, but we are to bring praise to the living God. That's our role. That's our mission. Now keep in mind, as Jesus was delivering this sermon, the audience sitting in front of him was his disciples, particularly. Of course, there was a, a great multitude, but he was specifically talking to his disciples. And his disciples standing in front of him were tax gatherers, fishermen, tradesmen. They were the common, common men of the time. And Jesus is looking at them at the time and saying to them, you're the bright lights of the world. Not all of these wise people around or all of these intellectuals who, who so intimidate you. No, no, no. You, you are the bright lights of this world. And you know more about life than all the wise guys who don't have the mind of Christ, the creator of this universe. So, when he says you are the light of the world, what is Jesus actually telling us? What does light actually do? Well, first of all, light exposes the darkness and those things that belong to the darkness. So beloved, be bright lights for Jesus Christ. That's what we are called to do. It says in the Word of God in Matthew 4:16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, meaning Jesus Christ, that great light. And you all are reflections of that great light. Jesus has handed over the mission to us to be the light of the world, to represent his great light in this world. The people of this world living in darkness, they don't even recognize the light. They don't even recognize what, what, is, what is dark until the light shines on them. That's because they, the Bible says, are evil and, um, and like the things of darkness the way they are. But we are called to shine that light on their lives that they might see a difference by how we live. Our goodness should make them ashamed of their badness. Not by being rude, of course, to them, but simply by living the light of Jesus Christ that they might notice. The light of God's truth that brings, uh, brings uh, light upon their darkness. So light, first of all, exposes the darkness, so be bright lights. But secondly, light explains the cause of darkness. So be a warning light. Here's the thing. We are called to be a city on a hill, a city on a hill that can be seen. 
and the early temple, of course, the Temple of Jerusalem, which was clad with bright, lime, bright white limestone and also inlaid with gold. When the sun shone upon the temple on the hill of Jerusalem, the people could see it from all around and it was reflecting the glory of God. We are called to be that city on the hill whereby the Son, Jesus Christ, shines on us and all can see the reflection of His glory in us. We are called to explain the cause of darkness. Keep in mind that our culture senses that there is darkness all around. Our, our culture senses this. Uh, they sense that there is injustice. They sense that there is racism. They sense that there is poverty but they don't know what to do about it because they don't know the cause of injustice and they don't know the cause of poverty and they don't really know the cause of racism, but we do know the cause because we know Jesus Christ. Every effect has a cause. And if you don't know what the cause of that effect is, you don't have any way of changing the effect. But we know the cause of every effect. We know that man's hearts, the Word of God tells us that the, the cause of injustice, the cause of poverty, the cause of racism is because of the evilness in man's hearts. We know the cause. And the Word of God says that that life was the light of men. The effect will be changed only when People embrace that life, meaning the life of Jesus Christ, John 1 verse 4. Without the life of Christ, there is no light on anything. Men love darkness because there is something very, very wrong in their lives. And that has to change. And the only way that can change is if the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shines on a heart. So our ongoing active presence here in Oshawa, here in the Durham region, here on this hill at the corner of Roslyn and Ritson. Here we gathered today on this hill to demonstrate to everyone uh, who drives by or lives around us that there is a light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and it is available. And unless people uh, are born again, they cannot uh, enter the kingdom of God. Keep in mind that people of this world were made by God and they were made for God. And they were made ultimately to reflect the Son of God. But mankind doesn't need any more knowledge. Man doesn't need any more enlightenment. What man needs is a new nature. And we are offered that new nature through Jesus Christ. And we need that new nature so that we will love the light and hate the darkness as opposed to loving the darkness and hating the light. Well there's one other reason that light is, uh, one other um, explanation or what light does is this, light exists for no other purpose than being light. Light exists for no other purpose than being light. So be a searchlight. That's what you're called to be. In fact, beloved, that's why we thought it would be important for us to come out and start doing drive-in services out here on the lot. 
because there is no other reason for us to exist than to be the light to this community, to be light to Oshawa, to make sure that we reflect the glory of Christ, to make sure that they know there is a light, that there is a light in Oshawa, and it can be found, and we haven't gone away, we haven't disappeared, we haven't expired, we haven't gone underground, but rather there is a light in this city, and, it is, and he is Jesus Christ. And it says in the Word of God, in, as Jesus was preaching here, that, that they put the light on its stand and it gives light to everyone. Do you realize that if Jesus Christ lights you up with the gospel, he will also lift you up and he will set you prominently on the table of his choosing. Now listen carefully, because people often are so... They fret and they're distressed. They say, uh, you know, what is my mission? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? Listen carefully. When Jesus Christ moves into your life, brings the gospel into your life, brings the Holy Spirit into your life, and you become the light of the world, He lights you up. He lifts you up. It's not your role to do that. He lifts you up and He sets you prominently on the table of His choosing. Folks, this is not necessarily how we hoped to, you know, a year ago or two years ago, planning the idea of this date, uh, two years. This wasn't the idea, come out in the parking lot, have drive-in church. But this is the decision that the Lord Jesus Christ made to lift us up, to place us prominently on the table of His choosing that we might shine the light of Jesus Christ. And wherever Jesus Christ has called you, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, wherever Christ has called you, He lifts you up and He places you prominently on the table of His choosing. Not necessarily your choice, but where He chooses for you to be, that you might be the light of the gospel where you are because there is no secondary role for light. Light has one purpose. Light shines oh, and chases away the darkness. That's its purpose. There's no secondary purpose for light. Motel 6, most of you probably have heard of that motel chain. They have a, a slogan, we'll keep the lights on. I'm, I'm sorry that the church didn't steal that slogan first, although Jesus Christ gave us that slogan. Because that's who we are. We keep the lights on. Unfortunately, Motel 6, in terms of its rating over the last several years on customer service, has been rated the lowest motel chain in all of America. Can you imagine? This is the one that advertises, we'll keep the lights on. They'll keep the lights on, but nobody wants to go there. That must not be the case for the church. It is highly possible for us to have the lights on but be so poor in our treatment of people that no one really wants to go near the lights. Now listen, North Africa was once a major factor in Christianity. The land of Turkey was once a major factor in Christianity. Today neither of them are. Today, the church is holding on for dear life in very small numbers. But God is at work there. 
Make no mistake about it. But there, that's an evidence or example of where the light of the gospel can be chased away for centuries. And there is every evidence that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ is being chased out of Canada. It is our responsibility to exist as the light of the gospel. Because no one puts a light, a, a, a lamp, lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Nobody does that. Jesus makes the point. Nobody would do that. You don't light a light and put it under a bowl. You shine it for everyone to see. So how do we wrap this up? How does the church or the Christian let their light shine? What do we do? How, does, how do our good deeds happen? How, how do we make this happen? Keep in mind, when Jesus was talking about a light and lighting a light, he wasn't talking about flicking on a switch, an electric switch. He was talking about a lamp and lighting that lamp. And in order to light a lamp, that lamp has to have oil in it. So how is it that we can make sure that we shine our light? We need to make sure that we keep the lamp full of oil, that we keep our lamp full of oil. Now, when Jesus Christ saved you, he gave you the Holy Spirit, that the life of Christ might live through you by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in you. So here's the deal. We, we are light only because Jesus is light. And the Holy Spirit, therefore, is the essential oil of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the essential oil of the Christian life. The life of Christ is being lived out through the power and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You were called to salvation through Jesus Christ. But he didn't call you one time. He calls you every day. He calls you to be filled with the Spirit, to make sure your lamp is full of oil. He calls you to come to himself, you who are burdened and weary, heavy laden, to come to, yourself, to himself. He calls on us, he promises us that those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness will be satisfied. Christ is constantly calling us that we might be filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit, that our lamps might be full of oil so that we shine, shine for Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Daily communion in God's word, in prayer, in meditation on God's word. There's no shortcut to being full of the Spirit of God and shining for Jesus Christ. There's no shortcut to that. But not only that do we need to keep our lamp full of oil, but we need to keep the wick trimmed. Those who had oil lamps, if they wick, uh, got too long it would start to smoke and a smoking wick was was not uh, efficiently giving light it is important for us as Christians to realize that there are times when our behavior and our character is not matching the behavior and character of a believer from the scriptures and so the Lord has to come and trim our lives we need to be careful if we find ourselves actually mimicking the attitude and behavior of people who are in darkness, we know that our wick needs to be trimmed. Our wick is smoking. Listen, beloved, we need to have light and we need to have heat, but we can't have a smoking wick. That will damage our, the Lord's reputation in our lives. So keep your lamp full of oil and keep the wick trimmed. Finally, what does your good works mean? Because Jesus said, 
In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. Well, there are many good things. Christians aren't the only people who do good things. Lots of people are doing good things. But Jesus is talking about specific good deeds, your good deeds, the kind that you do, the kind that Christians do. And they're a particular good. He used a particular word here for good. The word that he, he could have used two different words for good because the original language has two, di two different words. But the word that he chose to use here means not only good in essence, but good in how it looks as well, in its form. Not, not, only, not only something that is good, but in the way that you do it is good as well. You see, there's a right way and a wrong way to do good. Jesus spoke further in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 and said, Be careful not to do your, your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. <laughs> so Jesus is pointing out that there's a bad way to do good things. This that Jesus is calling us to do has a particular look to it so that God will be praised. This is, an, this is important for us right now because there's a lot of divergence in how to do things and how we should be representing Jesus and some are doing this and some are doing that. Keep in mind the words of Jesus. Make sure that your good works, the works that you're doing that are good, bring praise to God. Because it's possible that you can do good things that don't bring praise to God. How? Be different than what the lost world expects. What does the lost world expect? Having been disappointed by the major ministry meltdowns around our world, the world expects that we're probably just hypocrites like everybody else. The world expects that we're just putting on a big show here, That's, that we're just, we're just trying to get some sort of accolades for ourselves. We absolutely must do our good works differently than that. Our good works need to come from modesty and mercy, not hypocrisy and showmanship. If you look down the uh, look at the list that Jesus has listed just before he says this earlier in Matthew chapter 5, he uses words like humble, broken, gentle, craving righteousness, merciful, pure peacemakers. That's how Jesus is defining your good works with that behavior. Because Jesus' goal for us in being lights that are shining is to demonstrate that God is more important than they ever imagined or ever understood. So that people are impressed with God, not impressed with us. So that people are impressed with God. And so that people are, so that our, our behavior unveils for the world the glory of God and the greatness of Jesus Christ. Our job isn't to fix the world, that's God's job. Our job isn't to save the world, that's God's job. Our job isn't to make things right, that's God's job. Our job is to be the light of the world, to shine and reflect 
the glory of Jesus Christ in our lives. We are God's testimonials that of the worthiness of his salvation. God uses our lives, where whatever table he places us on, God uses our lives to demonstrate to people the worthiness of his salvation. So that people can, so that he can point to people and say, look there, look at that person. That could be you. You could be living the life of satisfaction. You could be living a life perfectly satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. That could be you. Because God wants all people in the world to worship him. Does my life contribute to that? That's the big question. Does my life contribute to God's desire that everyone would come to faith and worship him? If you or I are really representing Jesus, would anybody like him? If people are judging Jesus by our lives, would anybody like him as they watch us? Keep in mind that Jesus wasn't crucified for being unlikable. He was crucified because he was becoming too popular. And the powers that be at the time were afraid of losing their position in life. So they trumped up charges to crucify him. There are a lot of things not to like about the moment we find ourselves in. A lot of things. There are a lot of frustrations you have, I'm sure, right now. There are a lot of things you don't like. There are a lot of things not even close to the way you planned them. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. You are a lamp shining, not under a bowl. You are demonstrating the glory of Jesus Christ. My question to you is let's make sure, my statement to you is let's make sure that we don't make Jesus look bad while we call out things around us that are bad. There are many things that are bad around us, but it matters how we live out our good works. It matters that we might bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. You are the light of the cosmos, the very light of the, uh, in the systems of this world. And all the rest of the world is living in darkness. And Jesus' goal for us as light is that people in darkness might praise our Father in heaven. Our Father, we thank you so much for your immense love for us. And we thank you, Lord, for entrusting us with this glorious mission. You have given us the Holy Spirit in our lives that we might be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Father, I pray that we will live out this call 
our identity. We are not people of identity crisis. We know exactly who we are. You've declared who we are. We are the salt of the earth, the very soul of the earth, and the light of the world, the very light of this cosmos. We shine in the darkness. I pray, O oh God, that you will help all of us to reassess our lives over against these identity markers. And that you might strengthen us, Lord, because you haven't asked us to become this. You have stated that we are this. You have made us light and you have made us salt. So may we truly be what you've called us to be, I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.